Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Eagle Brook Church. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. If we have met before, my name's John Alexander. Before we dive in, next week we are launching our ninth Eagle Brook campus in Rochester, Minnesota. Come on, everyone. Let's see some pictures here. The team's already been hard at work transforming the Mayo Civic Center to look, smell, feel like an Eagle Brook, whatever an Eagle Brook smells like. That's what it's going to smell like, okay? It's going to feel great. It's going to look great. Campus Pastor Steve Wicker and the team are fired up and ready to go. So if you've got friends or family or people you know in that uh, area of Minnesota, Help us spread the word. Invite them to be a part of this historic weekend in the life of our church. Also, you probably know this already, but we are kicking off a brand new series titled Picture Perfect Family. I don't know about you, but my family, both immediate and extended, is not perfect. So we are going to be here learning about God's design for all types of families. I've already read the message for next weekend it's going to help a lot of people. So this is one of those series you do not want to miss and make sure you invite someone to join you. All right, with that, we are in the third and final week of a series titled Make a Difference. And as you saw in that video, last couple of weeks we've talked about the differences we can make in our futures if we saved and our churches if we tithe. Now, if you're still working towards saving and tithing, keep going. Keep working towards those things. But today I want to talk about what's next. For just a moment, I want us to imagine the difference we could make in the world if we all tithed and then gave above and beyond the tithe. Just imagine the difference we could make in our worlds. But before we get there, let me start by asking you a question. What do you want to be known for? I mean, if you were to get all the people at the end of your life to line up and thank you for specific things, what kind of attributes would you want to be known for? What exactly do you want to be known for? In high school, I had a single goal. I wanted to be known as the kid who made it to Stanford University from the small city of Longview, Washington. And if I was ever going to make it, I knew that it would require a near-perfect record of athletic, academic, and community achievement. Now, knowing they were looking for the best of the best, I decided my senior year to run for student body president. Not because I wanted to make a difference in my school at all. Selfishly, I just thought it would help me achieve my dream, and somehow I got elected. Well, a week after I was elected, my friends and I were sitting around with nothing to do, bored out of our minds on a Friday night. So we did what all bored teenagers do, something dumb, (laughs) something to prove that our brains weren't completely formed. No offense, teenagers, I've been there. We decided that we were going to toilet paper our rival high school's prom while standing in line at a grocery store with 72 rolls of ultra, double soft, you know, whatever, completely dressed in black. The cashier asked, what are you guys doing tonight? We're like, (laughs) just refilling our toilet paper. What are you doing, you know? Well, we drove over to our rival high school's prom and started covering dozens of cars in toilet paper. And as we were finishing up our work, kind of admiring what we had done, right as we were about to hit the exit, a policeman jumped out in front of us and yelled, stop right there, with his hand on his gun and flashlight blinding our eyes. Now at that point, I should have been more concerned with my life, but but all I could think about was how this dream of going to Stanford was vanishing before my eyes. Rather than going to college, I was going to be in jail. Well, the policeman wrote down our names, made us clean it all up. Thankfully, we didn't get shoved in the back of a cop car. 
But on Monday morning, right after the first bell, I heard over the intercom, John Alexander, please report to the principal's office. And as I walked down to the principal's office, my principal, Mrs. Marshall, proceeded to read me this police report, which listed my name as the leader of this toilet paper incident. And I'm realizing right now that my mom and dad, who are probably watching, don't know about this, okay? So if you're finding out for the first time, sorry. But after she read this report, she laid it down on the table, and she looked me square in the eyes and said, John, you are the student body president. Is this going to be your legacy? Is this what you're going to be known for? And that's a good question. One that has greatly impacted the last several years of my life, and it motivates me to this day. In fact, it's such a good question. I want to ask you, what exactly do you want to be known for? Getting into Stanford, that was my thing in high school. Graduating top of the class, by the way, I didn't do either of those things. Becoming a scratch golfer, building a lucrative business. Maybe you'll be known for those things. And those are all good things. But the reason I ask this question is because those things pale in comparison to what we should actually want to be known for, especially if we want our lives to matter. See, if we're ever going to make a difference in this world, we must We must become people who are known for our above and beyond generosity. And I'm using this phrase above and beyond because I'm talking about the giving that we do above and beyond the 10% we give back to God and his church. And so today I want to highlight a group of people in the Bible who were known for this kind of generosity. To give you some context, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, helped spread early Christianity was going around to different churches, different groups of people, taking up a collection of money to give to the poor within the Jerusalem church, which essentially become headquarters for first century Christianity. And Paul, who spent significant time with these Macedonian churches, he started using their example of above and beyond generosity to inspire others to be more generous. This is why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways. This is what they're known for, in which God is working in the churches in the Macedonia province. Now, you got to know these Macedonian churches were more than a thousand miles from the churches in Jerusalem. It's highly unlikely that anyone in Macedonia, especially in the first century, would have met anyone in Jerusalem. Similarly, so many of you give to impact people you're never going to meet. People in White Bear Lake have given to people here in Lionel Lakes or Forest Lake. People in Wyzetta have given to people in Rochester, Anoka to Lakeville. So many of you give in generous ways to people that you're never going to meet. Well, because of their above and beyond generosity, the Macedonian churches made a significant difference in the world, and it inspired others to become more generous. Personally, the people who inspire me the most are the people who give generously. I mean, I can't think of a single inspirational or emotional story about buying or consuming something. You know, we don't suddenly burst into tears when we buy the new iPhone. We don't become extremely emotional when we purchase Vikings season tickets. I mean, maybe you'll get emotional after the season, okay? But... But there just isn't a lot of inspiration in what we buy 
and consume. But there are plenty of inspiring stories of people who give generously. And I wanna show you one of those stories. Take a look at this video. He's faster than a speeding stroller, more adorable than a wet kitten, and able to get a stranger's attention with a single courtesy. Excuse me? This is America's latest superhero. Don't forget to show love. And the only superhero with the power to feed the homeless. Now, why do you do that? You know what, Mr. Steve? It's just the right thing to do. Is it? Yes. You want honey? By day, Austin P. Ryan is a mild-mannered four-year-old from Birmingham, Alabama. But about once a week, he turns into this alter ego. Would you like a sandwich? A superhero set on feeding as many homeless people as possible. Thank you. What's your superhero name? President Austin. Uh-huh. President Austin. President Austin. President Austin. That's his idea of what the president is supposed to do. I was like, buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> but hey, I'm going along with it. TJ says this all began when they were watching a TV show about pandas. It showed a mama panda abandoning a baby. TJ told his son the cub was now homeless. He says, what's homeless? I said, well, it's when you don't have a home and sometimes you don't have mom or dad around. I can tell what the follow-up question is going to be. Yeah, are people homeless? When I was a four-year-old, I didn't care about helping people. I did. I see. Once Austin learned some people are homeless and some are even hungry, he launched this caped crusade. Told his mom and dad that he wanted all his allowance and money they would spend on toys you go. to go toward chicken sandwiches instead. Oh, thank you, baby. You're welcome. Don't forget to show love. After he gives out each sandwich, yes. he gives each person that same bit of advice. Don't forget to show love. Don't forget to show love, he tells them. And most do, immediately. Well, thank you. It warms my heart to see him. It'll warm anyone's heart. Yeah, he really did, man. Raymond Boss says this kid gives him hope. That's, that's, that's where it starts. Don't forget to show love. Everyone who meets Austin leaves with hope. Which is why, with any luck, someday President Austin won't be a superhero anymore. Being the homeless is the highlight of my life. He'll just be a president. All right, come on, Austin. Steve Hartman on the road in Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> There's a reason that those kinds of stories inspire us. It connects us to the heart of God. There are dozens of people I could rattle off right now, many of whom are in this church, who inspire me with their generosity. These people give above and beyond to people who are broke, hurting, and lost. People's society tends to look past or forget. It's the homeless, the hungry, and the hopeless, people who can't possibly ever pay them back. It's these people who take Jesus' words seriously, where he says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. In other words, however you give to this group of people he considers the least of these, you did for me. So that begs the question, who are the least of these? The least of these, according to scripture, are people who are hungry, thirsty, lonely, and sick. People who don't have parents, they're orphaned. They're incarcerated, naked, and lost. The least of these are people who experience physical poverty. It's people who don't have a home. They don't have enough money to put food on the table. They don't have enough for adequate clothing. 
But poverty can also be experienced relationally and spiritually. It's people who have all kinds of money, but no love. People who have a great life, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. If we're ever gonna make a difference in the world, we must become people who give above and beyond to the least of these. People who experience relational, spiritual, and physical poverty. See, God is looking to you and me to fulfill their least with our more. That's what the Macedonian churches were known for, and that's what this church is gonna continue to be known for as well. So what does above, gener- above and beyond generosity look like? Three things, really quickly. First is, above and beyond generosity, it doesn't depend on circumstances. Now, sometimes it does, but more often than not, it doesn't. Look what Paul says here about the Macedonian churches. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. See, the Macedonian churches, they weren't wealthy. They were often persecuted because of their faith. But despite these extreme and severe circumstances, they gave up material things in the moment in order to impact someone else's eternity. You know, so often, I think we tend to believe that our circumstances prevent us from giving generously. And maybe you really are struggling. Maybe you're in a season where where you can't give, give anything. You actually need to be in a season of receiving, and I get that, I do. But more often than not, I think we tend to believe that our circumstances prevent us from giving because we lack perspective on our money and how we actually spend it. For example, a couple weeks ago, my wife Emily texted me that she had just given $40 to a homeless family of four standing outside of Target. My first thought was, where did you get cash? We never have cash. I was just surprised at that. My second thought was, we could have used that money on the oil change that I needed later in the week. And my third thought, I hope they don't use it for inappropriate things. I'm just being honest. That was my line of thinking. Well, I texted back, awesome, love your generosity. Well, contrast that line of thinking with this. The other day, I stopped at a coffee shop in St. Paul, and I ordered one coffee drink. And after I ordered that one coffee drink, the cashier said, that'll be $6.99. $6.99. And I handed over my card without thinking twice about it. My grandpa was born in 1910, and he lived through the Great Depression. And when he was alive, he often raged against coffee shops and how his cup of coffee cost him less than three pennies a day. He had done the math. Now, he drank Folgers, which is like drinking sewage water, so you might as well just throw away your money. (laughs) Now, the point is not to make you or I feel bad about purchasing things that we enjoy, including coffee, but I do want us to consider, why do we spend some money without thinking twice about it and yet hesitate to give over a similar amount of money to a generous cause. I mean, most of us find it easy enough to purchase Netflix. Gotta have that, 12 bucks a month or whatever it is. Gotta take your dinner or our family out to dinner on a Friday night, gotta do that. Gotta purchase those new pair of jeans. We don't have any problem with doing those things, but with the same financial circumstances, we'll hem and we'll ha, we'll, we'll struggle, we'll hesitate to hand over money 
to someone in need. That's why this statement from Jesus is so challenging. Jason introduced it last week. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. See, your heart just follows your money. We tend to think that if we just had more, maybe you're like me in this, if we just had a little more, if we just had a little more money, then, then of course we'd give more. Interestingly enough, multiple studies have shown that more often than not, the wealthier people become, the more tightly they hold onto their money. I mean, sure, the dollar amount, it might go up a little, but the percentage tends to go down. Now, why would that be? It's because the more money we have, the more things we buy, and there goes our heart. There goes our heart with that purchase. There goes our heart. Wealth doesn't necessarily equate to more generosity. Further studies show that the happiest, most satisfied, and joy-filled people in life are those who give generously, no matter their circumstances. I mean, the words from Jesus are, are true back then, and they're true now. It's truly more blessed to give than receive, so why don't we do more of that? Here's some final perspective for you. Did you know that if you make $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% wealthiest people in the world? Go to globalrichlist.com sometime into your income just to get some perspective. So can we give above and beyond? Certainly, if we have the right perspective and realize it doesn't depend on circumstances. Okay, second thing about above and beyond generosity, and this might surprise some people, it should hurt. I mean, it should hurt. Think about this. Paul says this. He says, the Macedonian churches, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I love that. They, they gave more than they initially thought that they were able to give. To me, that's like finding $20 in your pocket. You know that feeling? It's like finding some cash in your, in your pocket you didn't know was there. And you pull out that money, you think, great, this is what I can give. This is what I'm able to give, this $20. See, Paul says they went beyond that. To me, that's like finding that $20 and then thinking, even though it seems like 20 is all I have to give, I'm gonna find a way to give 100. I don't share this with any kind of arrogance because honestly, we struggle with generosity as much as anyone. But this last year, Emily and I set a giving goal that was going to be a stretch and it was gonna hurt. Now, I suggest everyone set a giving goal. Honestly, this has been a blast for us to pursue. We save, we tithe to the church first, but then we wanted to give above and beyond to people, to causes, organizations, campaigns that we believe in. And I wish I could stand up here and tell you that it's been easy. It hasn't been. Plus, there are plenty of times that I find myself fantasizing about the things I could have bought with that money that I just gave away. Like, I start thinking, man, I could have bought that gas-powered weed whacker that I've been eyeballing for a while. Yes, that's what I fantasize about. <laughs> I've got a weed whacker that plugs in. I got to drag that cord all through the yard, plus the little stringy thing has fallen off, and I can't figure out how to get it back on. And I've just resorted to, like, tearing out the weeds myself, okay? So that's where I'm at. Now, I probably, anyway, or I start thinking about how often I could get DoorDash to deliver Chipotle to my home. You guys, we live in a world where you can get Chipotle delivered to your door. What a time to be alive. This is the greatest. 
But as God has challenged us to stretch our generosity, we've learned a couple of lessons that I wanna share with you. The first is it hurts, but in a good way. It's like anticipating a shot at a doctor's office. It stings, of course, and you're like, that's it. Plus, shots are typically good for you. We have never regretted giving money away ever. The second lesson we've learned, you can't outgive God. And maybe you've heard that saying at some point and wondered, is that true? I've doubted it myself. But we're experiencing it. By the way, we don't believe in any kind of health and wealth teaching. Health and wealth teaching treats God like a cosmic ATM. You know, you give $10, God will supply you with 100. That's not exactly how it works, okay? But I'll tell you, we hit our giving goal by August of this year, mostly because you can't outgive God. Certainly, it's taken some intentional and planned giving, along with making some sacrifices along the way. But God has showed up with unexpected blessings. So let me ask you, is there something you could give up? It might hurt. It might hurt a lot. It might hurt a little. But you could give it up so that you can give above and beyond. Maybe it's something as simple as going out to dinner this week. Maybe it's selling a bike or a piece of furniture that you don't want or need anymore. Maybe it's delaying a vacation or remodel of your home. Maybe it's buying secondhand for a season rather than new. Whatever it is, take that money that you would have spent on those things and then give it to a worthwhile, kingdom-focused person, cause, or organization. I believe to my core that when you do, God will return that generosity back to you in some shape or form. Above and beyond generosity should hurt, but it's worth that little sting. Plus, you cannot give God. So give it a try for yourself, right? Third and final thing about above and beyond generosity, and again, this might surprise people, it's a test. It's a test. Look what Paul says here. He says, I'm not commanding you. I'm not demanding that you give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. See, God doesn't endorse pressured or guilt-driven generosity. That's part of the reason that we don't pass an offering plate or a bag during our services. We, we don't want people to feel pressured or guilt-tripped into giving, but it is a test of putting your money where your heart should be. The way we give to and support the least of these, the single mother who's barely able to make ends meet, kids without a home, the poor who lack the basic necessities, elderly who are sick, lonely, and dying, people who have never heard the name of Jesus, the way we give to and support those people will be the greatest test of our love for God. Do we say we just love God or do we prove it through our actions? First John says this, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a person in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? That verse has been sticking with me this week. Because in other words, let's not just say we love God. Let's not just say we're gonna be generous. Let's prove it through the way that we give. Furthermore, I'm convinced that this is also a test for others to see if Christianity is worth pursuing. 
more than ever, unchurched, skeptical people are less concerned with what we believe and what we say, although that's important, but they seem to be more concerned with how we treat and give to the world around us. We say we love God and people, but let's prove it through the way that we generously give. This is a test for all of us. Well, today, we're gonna offer you the opportunity to take that test. We're gonna offer you the opportunity to give above and beyond. And here's the best part about this weekend. I love this weekend. Everything you give, as long as you designate to this specific fund that we set aside for this, everything you give today through Friday, through October 25th, everything, 100%, is going to support organizations that care for the least of these. These organizations and partners are some of the best of the best at doing what we can't do on our own. And we've thoroughly vetted all of them. Their leadership, finances, follow through. Many of these partners and organizations we already give to, some we've partnered with for many, many years. But today, we wanna bless them with incredible generosity. So when you give today, you're giving above and beyond to the least of these. People like Kia, who's 15 years old and lives in Minneapolis. Kia doesn't have a great social support system. Her dad's in prison, and they maintain an okay relationship through letter writing. Well, one day, Kia's cousin invited her to attend a youth center run by Urban Ventures, an organization we partnered with for several years. Now she goes every Monday after school where she does homework, and then she sticks around afterwards to attend Young Life, a Christian ministry for students. She even got a job this summer with Urban Ventures Farm. Well, through the relationships she's built, the lessons she's learned, and the love of God, it's all changed her future. And so we want to give to organizations like Urban Ventures, who has a mission to reach the next generation for Christ, specifically in a 25-block area in South Minneapolis. Today, let's give above and beyond to people like Patrick. Patrick, who's struggled with addiction much of his adult life. And after hitting rock bottom, he stumbled into Union Gospel Mission, an organization that we've watched do incredible things over the years. And there at the Union Gospel Mission, he received the resources and the help that he needed to finally get back up on his feet. Today, Patrick is pursuing his lifelong dream of becoming an airplane mechanic. Patrick wrote these words. He says, through the resources of the Union Gospel Mission, I now have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that has helped me achieve a life worth celebrating. He writes, I'm now excited for my future and sharing it all with the most important person in my life, my daughter. Union Gospel Mission also serves over 300,000 free meals every single year, meets the basic needs of a growing homeless population in the Twin Cities, and shares the love of Christ with every person who walks through their doors. Today, let's give above and beyond to people like Shannon. It's not her real name. Because she had to endure years of abuse and fear and pain in a violent relationship. 
after she finally escaped that relationship, she turned to an organization called The Dwelling Place. She had nowhere else to turn. Last year, we gave over $150,000 to The Dwelling Place so that they could build a home for battered women. And there at The Dwelling Place, she got the help that she needed, which was free housing and the resources she needed to protect her and restore her to emotional, physical, and spiritual health. And then on July 14th of this year, Shannon was baptized at Eagle Brook Church and found new hope in Jesus Christ. The dwelling place is incredible. It has four duplexes that can house up to 57 women and children who are leaving a life behind of pain and abuse. These women and children, they need our more so they can find freedom from the nightmare that they've been forced to endure. Pastors like Ruslan are reaching people for Christ in the country of Ukraine. 18 years ago, Eaglebrook started working with this young Ruslan who was a worship leader in a small country village church filled only with babushkas, as he said, Ukrainian grandmas, okay? But in 2008, Ruslan had a vision to start something new. He wanted to start a church that would reach the next generation for Christ. And so he launched one with another pastor named Sergey. Today, through an ongoing partnership, that church has grown from 20 to 400 people, filled mostly with 18 to 35-year-olds. In this last year, 62 people made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, which is just unheard of in Ukraine. But here's the thing, Ruslan, and I was just talking to him a couple weeks ago, they're about to move their church for the fifth time in their history because the walls simply cannot contain their growth. The demand for people to know Christ is currently greater than their capacity. And so we want to bless them with a financial gift big enough to get them started on building a permanent facility. I mean, just think, those people and people like them in the future, people you will never meet while here on earth, will one day line up in eternity and say, thank you. Thank you for being a part of changing my life. Thank you for being a part of changing my family's life. One more. We're gonna help people give above and beyond to help people like Sankar, who's in Nepal. Sankar grew up Hindu and was a plumber who got in a bad work accident where he broke both of his arms and then contracted a life-threatening fever during recovery. So he went to all kinds of Hindu priests and temples to try to get help where they performed all kinds of rituals. And it cost him a whole bunch of money, he told us. But nothing worked. Well, Sankar heard there was a Timothy Initiative pastor, Timothy Initiative, an organization we gave over $200,000 to last year because of how effective they are. He heard there was this Timothy Initiative pastor in the region who was praying for people, and some of these people were getting healed. So Sankar called the pastor. The pastor came and prayed for him, and miraculously, Sankar was healed arms, fever, and all completely restored. 
Sankar gave his life to Christ and started attending this pastor's weekly gathering. But see, the story doesn't end there. Because from the moment that Sankar gave his life to Christ, he started sensing that God was saying to him, I've got work for you to do. I want you to be a pastor and help people like you've been helped. And so he attended the Timothy Initiative training. And today, Sankar is the director of all Timothy Initiatives for unreached people groups in the country of Nepal. These are people who have never heard the name of Jesus, but the gospel is spreading like wildfire through Nepal. Again, people you will never meet, but whose eternities are being changed. Everything you give today will go to these people and organizations and organizations and people like them. So let me ask you, what will we be known for? What will we be known for? Above and beyond generosity, it's not dependent on circumstances. It should hurt. And it's our test of our love for God and people. So today, every person should be compelled to give what they are able, whether it's $5 or $20, please do. Whether it's $200, $2,000, or $20,000, you know alone if you have capacity to do this. But our hope is that every person would give at least $50 for every person in their family, dogs included, if you want to throw them in, okay? <laughs> but let's be people who are known for our above and beyond generosity. Here's how you can give today. And you gotta earmark it for this fund. Go online to eaglebergchurch.com slash difference. You can stop off in the lobby. If you go to one of our kiosks, you'll have an ability to click on the difference fund. Or you gotta pick up a blue envelope for cash or check. Or the easiest way is just text the word difference. Difference to 555-888. What are we gonna be known for? We're gonna be known as a church who gives above and beyond, and 100% of this is going to care for the least of these. That's why I love this church, is because we are gonna respond in generous and incredible ways. Before I pray for you, I wanna invite you into something. Across all of our campuses, I'm gonna give you just a few moments to silently ask God in your chair, what do you want me to give? I actually believe that God will give you some sort of impression. It might not be audible, but there's a number or a dollar amount, and maybe it's nothing. Maybe that's the season you're in, or maybe it's a significant number. Ask God, or some of you, maybe on your ride home, need to talk about it as a family. What a great conversation you could have in your car. That's what Emily and I did last night. We had a conversation. We asked each other what we should give, and we picked a number that hurt, but we both had the same number in mind, have that conversation, but first ask God. So bowing your heads, closing your eyes, just ask God silently in your seat, or maybe you're watching online, ask God to tell you what he wants you to give, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, I'm grateful. <clears throat> that you entrust us with this kind of work. You have such a heart for people who have less. And God, I want that kind of heart. I know that 
people who are watching or here at our churches, they want that kind of heart too. It's not always easy. In a world where we're constantly being pursued to buy and consume God, it's so hard to shift that in our own spirit. But God, we wanna become those kind of people. We wanna be known for our generosity. So stretch us, grow us, help us. Then we pray, God, as we respond to this, God, as we give this money away to organizations who are caring for these people, we pray, God, that this money would impact people's lives here on earth and for eternity. People who need help from addiction, broken relationships, abusive relationships, kids without a home, people who have never heard the name of Jesus. God, we want to reach those people. Your name is more powerful than anything we can do on our own. And so we ask that you use this to bless them and reach them and change their lives, Jesus. Help us to continue to be a generous church, God, generous people. We're just grateful that we get to play a small part. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everyone.